Welcome to the Daily Cheap Show. My name is JC, and this is the DCS Podcast. This is a no-filter zone. There are no biases. Most importantly, no politics. If you're interested in politics with your sports, check out other four-letter networks. We here at Daily Cheap Shot are creating a sports community that brings us back to our roots of what we love about sports. We love the competition. We love the debate or the argument that follows. Now, if you're into that, you've come to the right place. You can connect with us at our website, dailycheapshot.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And look, there's not going to be any long, drawn-out podcast here. The Daily Cheap Shot wants to produce shot glass-sized content that keeps you buzzed all day long. Now, the time is here. The No Filter Zone starts in 3, 2, 1. Now, look, it obviously has been a weird start the college football season. We're in the middle of October. We have yet to see the Big Ten or the Pac-12. And one of those teams, Ohio State, is a top 10 team. Now, we do have a couple of surprises in the top 10 with the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Cincinnati Bearcats. The Bearcats, they're off this week, so they'll get a basically another pass in the top 10 due to some positive COVID tests. Pretty much the a new normal, as you could say, in the college football world. Uh, Carolina, they're going to travel to Tallahassee to take on Jordan Travis and the Florida State Seminoles. Generally, that would be a tough test, but anyone that's watched Florida State this year knows they are struggling. Now, as also a longtime Miami Hurricane fan, it does not hurt me to say that Florida State is struggling. And I think they miss Jimbo. Speaking of Jimbo, We're going to get on to our debut segment, and we're going to call this the DCS College Football Blitz. This is going to comprise of our upset special of the week and our college football game of the week. We have two good ones this week, both from the SEC. Now, we mentioned Jimbo earlier, and his team, Texas A&M, pulled off a huge upset last week over the Florida Gators. Well, they are going to look to avoid being upset themselves this week against Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State has looked terrible the last two weeks. Uh, They only scored two points against Kentucky. Uh, Mike Leach's air raid offense has been grounded the last couple of weeks. So why would they have a chance against A&M? Well, very simple. The old letdown game. A big emotional win over a high-ranked team, what happens usually is a letdown. And when you have a letdown against a team with a high-powered offense, that just screams upset special. Now, the A&M's defense, while the offense has played well, it leaves a little bit to be desired. They're allowing over 30 points a game, which again, feeds into this recipe for Mississippi State to pull the upset. I think it'll be a close game, but I'll look for a late field goal, and that'll get it done for KJ Costello in Mississippi State. Now, as for our college football game of the week, it doesn't get any bigger. Two of the best from the best conference in America square off when Alabama takes on Georgia. This game is becoming a classic every year, but we got a twist this year as Nick Saban had a recent COVID diagnosis. So we don't even know at this time if he's gonna be on the sidelines. 
And that's a huge deal. That's almost more important than if there was a player out for Alabama. We'll see what, what his status is. I'm going to go on the assumption he's going to be there somehow. But if not, that's a huge blow to Alabama. So far, for the Crimson Tide, it's basically been to a who. Mac, Mac Jones has come in. He only has 17 incompletions in three games. That works out to a near 80% completion percentage. They're running the ball with Najee Harris for over seven yards of carry, and they're just scoring points in bunches, which is great. They put 62 on the board last week, but the problem is the defense, which is always a staple of Nick Saban, has really struggled again for the second year in a row. Uh, they can blow, they can outscore teams, but when they come against a team like Georgia, that can pose a problem. Now, Georgia, they've been solid on both sides. I don't think this offense is quite as explosive as they've had in years past. They get the job done, but they don't get the big plays like they have in, in the past. Uh, Stetson Bennett, solid quarterback. I don't think he's Jake Fromm, but the offense does just enough. But the defense has been fantastic. Uh, if this game is in the 20s, I think it's really playing into Georgia's hands just for the sheer fact that I don't think Alabama can get the stops it needs late if the game's that close. Uh, Georgia with back-to-back -back top 15 victories, that's, that's quality. That's the way you start your season off over Auburn and Tennessee. So, again, I say if this game's in the 20s, I think Georgia's in the driver's seat. And my pick is going to be the slight upset with Georgia pulling out the 28-27 victory. Now, we're going to move on to big boy football. We talked a little bit about the college game. Now let's talk about the NFL game. Our NFL game of the week, and it's a big one. I'm looking forward to this as much as any game as really I have all season. And it is going to pit the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Brady versus Rodgers. It's amazing. And as long as their careers have been, they've only met three times. Or this will be the third meeting they've had in their careers. That's just hard to fathom. Um, it's one-to-one -one right now. Um, I don't think anybody would pick Aaron Rodgers as a greater quarterback than Tom Brady. But I think people would say he's more talented. Physically, he's a better athlete. He's got the bigger arm. He maybe has been blessed or I guess cursed really with the coach who's never has never been quite as good as Belichick. Maybe that's held him back for years and years. Um, only one Super Bowl for Rodgers. You know, Brady's got more than a handful. So it, this is a chance for Aaron Rodgers to really stamp himself as an all-time great. To take it, take it right to Tom Brady and say, look what I can do. And I'm still doing it at a high level. Uh, so thus far this year, Aaron Rodgers, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's in the midst of a MVP caliber year, probably only trailing Russell Wilson at this time. Um, he's really trying to say to everyone that's crowned Patrick Mahomes, the new it guy in the NFL, that, hey, I'm still here. Uh, Tom Brady, on the other hand, 12 TDs, four interceptions. Nothing wrong with those numbers, but he's thrown a couple of pick sixes. He's forgot what down it was last week against the Bears. Just there's there's small things that look like the game is slowly getting away from Tom Brady. I'm not gonna say he hit the cliff falling off the cliff or he's hit a wall or anything like that. I think that's crazy. But I do think that there are signs there. Now as for everybody else, there are other players in this game. And 
think it's important that there's receivers that are returning. Green Bay is going to get back Devontae Adams. He's been out since week two. Um, Chris Godwin will return for the Bucks. That's going to be huge to take off pressure of, to Mike Evans, who's had to shoulder a much bigger load while he's been out. The big key, though, I think you got to watch that tight end, Robert Tanyan, for the Green Bay Packers. This Matt LaFleur offense is known for good tight end play. And the last three games, he's broken out with touchdowns in each, and he had three touchdowns last week. So Robert Tanyan really could be a key in the passing game if they try to double up Devontae Adams and have to look somewhere else. So look, I would keep my own Robert Tanyan this week. Um, now Brady's gotten better as the year's gone on. You know, no, no OTAs, no offseason really. Hasn't had a chance to really get in sync with these guys, but he's he's been he's been better. Um, but I just look at this game sets up for an Aaron Rodgers showcase, and with Tampa getting off some slow starts, if they do that to Green Bay, this game's going to get ugly quick. And there's no coming back against this team like they did against San Diego. So I'm I'm going to look at this game to be I don't know if it's a blowout or not, but I'm going to go with Green Bay 38-24. That is your DCS pick for the NFL game of the week. Now, I love my NFL, college football, baseball, NBA. I love all of that. It's great. You know, we're at the midpoint of the college football and NFL seasons. The NBA just finished up. But there's another there's another sport going on that doesn't get the publicity that I think it should. I've grown up with it. I love it. And we're going to talk a little NASCAR. They are reaching their semifinals. And in case people don't understand what that means, the semifinals for NASCAR is basically just like the semifinals in any other sport. If you're in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Western Conference Finals in the NBA, that's the NASCAR semifinals. Let me help everybody out and I'll explain it for you. The playoff system starts with 10 weeks to go at 16 racers. Every three races, we knock off four more racers off the, off the mix. We're left with 12 after week after three weeks and after six weeks, we're left with eight. And that's the point we sit at right now. After three more races, we'll be down to our final four. And those four drivers will race for a championship in Phoenix Interna- at Phoenix International Raceway. So we're at, the, we're at the station now where we're down to eight contenders. And so we have three races coming up that is going to determine who are the final four that go to Phoenix and have a chance to win the championship. So those final eight drivers, I'll, I'll list them out here for you, because just, just in case anybody doesn't know who these guys are, but we'll get their names out there. We have Kevin Harvick. He has nine wins on the season. Uh, Denny Hamlin, he has seven wins on the season. I want to talk about those two first. The way the NASCAR point system works is, if you win a stage during a race, you get a bonus point. If you win the race, you get five bonus points. Those points accumulate during the season, and then after every round in the playoffs, after every three races, the points reset and your bonus points for the season, you get those back. So Kevin Harvick has 67 bonus points this season, which puts him at 4,067 points. Denny Hamlin has 4,054 points, with 54 of those being his bonus points he's accumulated. I separated those two out because by the way the point system works, it's very likely both of those guys will point themselves in and are pretty much shoe-ins for the Final Four. So I don't mean to not talk about them, but they really are not where this battle is going to lie in the next three weeks. We're going to focus on the other six drivers. 
Because from there, we're going to find two more drivers to go to Phoenix to battle for a championship. So next on the list with four wins this season is Brad Keselowski. He's got one NASCAR championship. He's been his team, his team as well as his organization, Penske, has been very strong in the mile and a half. He's one to definitely keep an eye on. He's one of the favorites. I'd say he's probably the next favorite behind Harvick and Hamlin. Uh, we also have Chase Elliott. He is only the son of the most popular driver in the sport for years and years, Bill Elliott. And there's been a lot of hate out there that you know he got his ride because of who his father was. And that happens a lot in NASCAR. But I think he's gone out of his way to prove that he's here for he's here for a reason because he can drive a race car. Uh, three wins this season. It's his fourth year in a row in the final eight. But the question is, can he actually break through and get to that final four to run for a championship? He's fallen just short a couple of times. So now we'll find out, is this the year he breaks through? Uh, we also have Joey Logano. He is actually teammates with Brad Keselowski. He is a Penske driver. Again, I said they've been really strong in the mile and a half this year. Joey Logano has two wins. And so he hasn't been quite as consistent as Brad throughout the season. But Logano does have a championship, and he will be one to reckon with in this playoffs. Uh, we have three drivers left. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. It's been interesting. He won a lot of races the last few years with Furniture Row, and then when he came over to Joe Gibbs Racing. And he has only got one win this year at, Mar uh, at Martinsville. But he's the one guy it seems like everybody just forgets about. And I'm not sure why, but... He's one to watch the next three races. Historically, that team has been really, really good on mile and a half. And plus, we go to Martinsville, the third race of these three races, and he will be as the defending winner from June. So I think that if people write him off, that's a very bad decision. I think Truex is going to be right in the mix. He's run top, top five all year long. He's got 13 top fives. He's going to be a factor in the playoffs in this, three set, this set of three races. So if you write Truex Jr. off, I think you're making a big, big mistake. He is just as big a threat as anybody. Uh, our final two, they're really, they're more wild cards in my opinion. They're two guys that I don't think have had the speed throughout the season to really compare. Just to compare, Truex has 13 top fives. Alex Bowman, he's one of our other two wild cards. He only has four this season, four top fives. He's got a win earlier in the season, but he's just not been great most of the year. He's been good and solid, and he's in a, he's with a good team. He's got good speed, but he hasn't shown the consistency or the ability in big moments to really come up with that big performance. So I just don't know. He's gonna, he's one that's going to have to win to get in. I don't think you point yourself in. I think you win. He guarantees him a spot in the Final Four, and that's what he's got to look for. He's got to look for a chance to play some strategy, get out front, and try to win a race in the next three. And the same goes for Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is a uh, former series champion. And he just came off a win in Las Vegas last round that got him into the final eight. Uh, say kind of very similar to Bowman. He's he's with a, tis, a little bit smaller team with Chip Ganassi. He's not been great all year. He's been really solid, a top 15 guy every week. But he just hasn't had that top five speed every single week. So the question is, who's going to be able to make that move, make that make that one move late in a race that gets him a win or gets him extra couple of points to get into the final four? Um, like I said, I think Harvick and Hamlin will point their way in. I'd also say they're going to win one of these next three races. One of those guys will. And I believe you're going to see also Truex win and Chase Elliott win. And that final four is going to be Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Chase Elliott are going to go to Phoenix and battle for the championship. 
If you guys don't watch NASCAR, you will want to check out these next three races. It's going to be fantastic. The racing's great. And I think you'll find that this is a sport that you can really gravitate to and you'll really enjoy. So give NASCAR a look. If you've never given them a look, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. These guys get after it. It's fast. There's hard, hard hits. It's wrecks. There's fights. You'll enjoy it. Everybody check that out for the next few weeks and see if it's something you may want to really, really get into. Uh, now, I'm going to leave you with a new feature. We're going to end this. We're going to have this in every one of our podcasts. This is called our Daily Cheap Shot. It's the name site of the website. This is what this is what it's about. This is about taking takes from national sports media and basically getting our anger out because the things that they say and they get away with nowadays just makes no sense. They're the epitome of shock jock DJs. They just say junk just to get a rise and just to get some publicity. And I'm going to make this very clear. I am not a Nick Wright fan. But he said something this week that really pissed me off. He is a probably the biggest LeBron lover in the in the media circus. You know, everything LeBron does is fantastic and he's the greatest. He's been the great the goat for a, for many many years no matter what. And it's just he's a stat guy. He believes stats mean everything. You know, all those trips to the finals, all the points, all the assists, it means that that makes you better. That's just crap, in my opinion. And it really pissed me off this week as he made a list of reasons of why MJ wasn't the GOAT. And I'm going to go through the list, and then I'm going to break down the list. List thing number one, he was a, he, Michael Jordan was a loser without Scottie Pippen. Number two, he never beat Larry Bird. Number three, he could never beat a super team. Number four, the East was terrible. Number five, everyone won rings on Jordan's watch. All right, let's go back to the top. He was a loser without Scottie Pippen. I want everybody to take a look at Michael Jordan's roster for the Chicago Bulls when he got there. Now, I'm not going to say that the team was horrible. But what I'm going to say is it wasn't good. I don't want to knock any NBA players because all NBA players are talented. But the 1984-85 Chicago Bulls roster, it included players. Let's see if any of these players are names that you recognize. Okay? Let me, let me just run off the list. I'm going to read the entire roster. Dave Corzine, Quentin Daly, Chris Engler, Sidney Green, Dave Greenwood, Rod Higgins, Steve Johnson, Caldwell Jones, Charles Jones, Wes Matthews, Juwan Oldham, Ennis Watley, and Orlando Woolridge. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I knew Orlando Woolridge. Now, some of the other names sound familiar, but I only knew Orlando Woolridge. So don't give me crap that he was a loser without Pippen. You put anybody on that roster. He, Michael Jordan would have dreamed to have LeBron James' roster when he came into the league, when he got to the Bulls. That, that, that kind of talent. This team was not good. He willed them to 38 wins. Again, context is, context is important. What you have in the first couple of years of your career 
you're going to lose a lot of times. That doesn't mean anything to me. What you Does he elevate the team? They won 38 games. That roster won 38 games. That's impressive to me. Now, let's look at number two. Never beat Larry Bird. Now, look. Larry, that, that, that day and age, Larry Bird's team had probably six Hall of Famers on that roster. Michael Jordan, I just read you off his roster. He didn't. Should he be expected to perform miracles? No. Michael Jordan's a human. He's not some... I know people make him a mythical figure, but he was still just a basketball player. Now, I will say, in year two, Michael Jordan broke his ankle and came back and played later in the year and got the Bulls to the playoffs. And amazingly, he scored 63 in the Boston Garden. He was uh, God in sneakers, as Larry Bird put it. No, he didn't beat Larry Bird's team, the Celtics. But he got, he took notice. They said he's coming. He needed more players, of course. You don't do it by yourself, but he was coming. It's asinine to say that, make that kind of comment that he didn't beat Larry Bird, so that's a knock on MJ. That's crap. And LeBron didn't beat those loaded Golden State Warriors team. Is that a knock on his legacy? No, it's not a knock on his legacy. He wouldn't expect it to. It wasn't going to happen. Did LeBron James go and beat that Spurs team when he was 20, 22, 23 years old? No, he got swept because his team wasn't good enough. That's fine. Nobody's knocking LeBron. LeBron gets a pass. He gets a pass all, all the time. He gets a pass almost for every single finals loss he's had. Amazingly, he gets a pass. Somehow it's, not, it's never his fault. So Jordan could never beat a super team. Well, he played one super team that he beat in the finals. That Lakers team was pretty good. It was Magic and Worthy, Byron Scott. I think Michael Cooper was on that team. It was a good team. Don't tell me he didn't beat any super teams or great teams that were great. Look at those Knicks teams. They may not have been super teams, but they were good teams. The Pacers, Rick Smiths, Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, Shaq and Penny. That's not a super team? Destroyed Shaq and Penny, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott. That's not a super team? Don't, don't start talking when you don't have the proof. Don't make statements that just are not factual. He said the East was terrible. Um, let me tell you this. The East was loaded. The Pistons were there. The bad boy Pistons. It took a little time, but Jordan took care of them. Those Pacers teams, they were tough. The Davis brothers, they weren't brothers, but the Davis, the Davises, Antonio and um, Dale Davis, Rick Smith, Reggie Miller, Dedlif Shrimp, I believe he's on that team. Uh, Mark Jackson, like I said, good teams. That's nothing to, sh- nothing to shy away about. Those Knicks teams, John Starks, Charles Oakley, Charles Smith, Patrick Ewing. I think Mark Jackson was on those teams. Nothing, nothing wrong with those teams. The Orlando Magic, really? They just ran those those players down. Shaq, Penny, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott. Get out of here. I think Horace Grant was on those teams. It's just... 
you know, some people just talk to hear themselves speak and they think it, everybody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear this garbage. Don't spew garbage, spew truth. Let's go with this next one. Everyone won rings on Jordan's watch. Name a list. Isaiah, he got a ring on Jordan's watch. I'll give you that one. Maybe before Jordan was in his prime, but he got, he got a couple of rings. And Akeem got a couple while Jordan was playing baseball. When Jordan started winning, nobody did. Did Barkley get a ring under Jordan's watch? No. Did Ewing get one? No. Did Carl Malone and John Stockton get one? No. People didn't get the didn't get didn't get rings on Jordan's watch. I'm sorry. Now LeBron, on the other hand, you want to go down this road, Nick, right? We can go down this road. Who all got rings under LeBron's watch? Everybody. Kawhi, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kevin Durant. We can keep going. We need to. It's a big list. Everyone got championships. So don't try, don't make an argument that doesn't stand up. Make an argument that makes sense. This is just this is just what I was talking about the other day. It's a case of someone taking shots at a legacy because their guy's legacy isn't good enough to stand on its own merit. I don't like to hate on people's legacy. It's just not worthwhile. But when you take shots at a guy that won six titles in 12 full-time seasons with the Chicago Bulls, what does that what does that mean? Yeah, he did he win 12 championships? No, he won half the time. 50% of the time he was with the Bulls, he won a championship. LeBron's got four in 17. That's less than 25%. Before you make an argument, have the facts to back it up. Stats don't tell the whole story. If they did, Russell Westbrook would have been the best player in the world for the last five years. Well, guess what? He's not. Sorry about that. I don't like to get I don't like to get amped up. But when things when people say things that just don't make any sense to me, it gets me a little fired up. Now look, I want to thank everybody for joining us on the Daily Cheap Shot Podcast. Join us again next Tuesday when we go over a week the weekend in sports. And you get the latest cheap shot at the National Sports Media. And I promise they'll get better and better every single week. Now you can join us online for articles, sports commentary at dailycheapshot.com and follow us on Twitter all weekend. We'll be chiming in on everything related to sports all weekend long. Enjoy your sports weekend, and we 